Hi, this is Luke. And this is Albert. Welcome to another episode of the Telescope Investing Podcast. A bit of a shorter episode today, but in response to a question from one of our earliest subscribers, we thought we'd share some of our own investing resources. The websites, books and podcasts we've used to educate ourselves, to help us identify new investment ideas and to track our existing investments. No news this week, let's just get straight into the episode. So we thought today we'd talk about some of the books we've read over the last few years and some of the websites and podcasts we use today to help us understand what's happening in the world a little better, get some alternative perspectives. You don't need your pen and paper out if you're out running as you listen to us. We're going to put links to all of the materials we talk about today in the show notes, but we'll use our discussion to explain why we use each of these resources. So I'd encourage you to listen anyway. The whole telescope investing philosophy is about understanding mega trends, and it's really good to get ahead of those right at the start and see where there's something the world's going to need in the future that's underserved, a gap in demand supply that needs to be filled. And then once we've identified that trend, we can then dig in way deeper and try and find companies that are setting themselves up to serve it. By staying up to date on business news, we are able to identify new emerging trends and future needs. But a good way to get started to gain knowledge is to read a few books. And we've read a few books over the last few years that really helped us hone our investment skills. I'll start with one, Luke. I read a book a few years ago called A Wealth of Common Sense by Ben Carlson. I read this book a few years ago, and it gave me a really good foundation in the principles of investing. Things like simplicity beats complexity when it comes to investing. It's better to keep your investments understandable and simple rather than go for the complex strategies that you may not understand. It talks about how investing for the long term is the right approach. It discusses the traits of a successful investor and the benefits of doing nothing. I think the book is aimed towards more the fund investor rather than someone who's investing in individual stocks. But the book contains good general principles for all investors. A book you and I are both reading right now, Albert, is The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. Morgan's been writing about finance for many years. And although this is a very recent book, I feel like he had some really unique, interesting perspectives that I'd not read before. Highly recommend it to listeners. I'm in the middle of reading this, Luke. I'm halfway through and it's very easy to read and very entertaining. Actually, Morgan Housel is one of my favorite finance writers. I've read a few of his earlier books, such as Everyone Believes It, Most Will Be Wrong, which is a collection of his columns, I believe, which discusses investing concepts using real life examples. Morgan Housel also has a blog on a website called The Collaborative Fund, where he writes about various financial concepts. One book, which I think almost everyone has heard of is Freakonomics. Have you read this one? Yeah, great book. Great fun. Stephen Levitt and Steve Dubner. Yes, where they discuss interesting consequences of incentives. They've also got a Freakonomics podcast. I've not listened to that for a little while now, but I remember it being a really fun, entertaining deep dive into some of the quirkier areas of life. If you like Freakonomics, I would like to recommend a book called The Undercover Economist and its sequel, the Logic of Life. These books are written by a guy called Tim Harford, an economist based in the UK. Tim's the British Steve Levitt, I guess. It was in The Undercover Economist where I first learned about price sensitivity. To illustrate what that means, he used an example of a coffee shop where there are different types of coffee at different prices. And you wonder why are these coffees priced differently when they probably cost the same to make 
And it's due to price sensitivity. The coffee shop is trying to work out how much you are willing to pay for a price of coffee. Some people are very price sensitive and will not want to pay high prices, whereas other people are much less price sensitive and are willing to spend more on the little perks like whipped cream on top. The strategy is that the coffee shop is just trying to work out how much you're willing to pay and to extract the most amount of money from you. You can see this in how Apple prices its products. You can see that the base model of most of their products is fairly well priced, but any upgrades on top of that are very expensive. Apple have often been criticized for the cost of simple upgrades like extra memory and extra hard disk, but they're also trying to find out how much you're willing to spend and basically extract as much money from you as possible. Well, they're doing a great job of that because their market capitalization is enormous. I've got to say, I don't consider the base model of any Apple products to be cost-effective. I consider them to be wildly overpriced. <laughs> Sticking to the subject of books, a book I read earlier this year is by Yuval Noah Harari. His third book released early this year, and it's 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. He's a really interesting author. I'd almost consider him a modern philosopher. His first two books, Sapiens, dealt with the history of humankind. His second book, Homo Deus, was a history of tomorrow. He was looking into the far future. But I found this third book the most useful. 21 Lessons for the 21st Century really deals with some of his ideas about today and the immediate future. And actually, I found some quite interesting and investable ideas when I read through the book. Can you give us an example of one of these investable ideas? Uh, he talked a little bit about universal basic income and how that might have an impact on society. And I think that's really relevant right now. One slightly frivolous idea, but that stuck with me, he talked about how deep AI and social media might really understand you in a much greater way than you understand yourself. And perhaps AIs will start producing personalized imagery, songs, poems to lift you out of whatever mood you're currently in. Quite an interesting idea. And I think we're starting to see that already with tools like GPT-3. This sounds like an episode of Black Mirror, to be honest, Luke. That's definitely true in a scary and a positive way. I think Black Mirror and other near-term futurology pieces of fiction can give us insights into what the world of tomorrow might look like. And these are where some of our ideas about trends will seed. Another book that we recommend is one that we've mentioned in a previous podcast called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Daniel Kahneman is a behavioral psychologist, and this book is a culmination of his life's work studying human nature and human biases. A lot of the concepts are directly applicable to investing, such as loss aversion, prospect theory, and anchoring. Anchoring is a particularly dangerous concept where you are fixated on a certain price or a certain number, which will affect your thinking going forward. Even as an experienced investor of multiple decades, it's still hard to avoid price anchoring when you look at your own investments. So we've covered a bunch of books. I think we should go on to websites and some of the online resources we use to research investment opportunities and also to understand the companies we're invested in today a little better. I think we have to kick off this section with a call out to the Motley Fool. Albert, you and I became Motley Fool members a long time ago. I looked at my own membership the other day. I first joined in 1996. The Fool have a really solid investment strategy and the telescope investing strategy that we've put together is heavily influenced by The Fool's approach. I first came across The Fool via the Motley Fool UK podcast hosted by David Cole back in the day. That really put me on the right path for long-term investing. 
Prior to that, I traded in and out of stocks far too often. I glanced at the UK site, but I've got to say the USA site is leagues better than any of their other country sites. There's really deep information on the US Fool website, fool.com, and we've subscribed to a number of paid services. Honestly, my subscription to Stock Advisor and their Rule Breakers services, that's the best money I've ever spent in my life. I agree. I became a member a few years ago. The recommendations they give in these services are really good, but a lot of the, the value you get from the site is from the additional content that you get. They have daily videos discussing a wide variety of financial topics. One of the most powerful resources I find on the fool.com site are the discussion boards dedicated to each individual stock. Each board has a really broad range of opinions from some really smart guys and girls, some of whom are professional money managers, some of whom are just smart guys trying to invest for their own future but it's a really broad range of perspectives. And there's always someone to chime in in a really timely manner and try and give a view on why something just changed or a new product launch or an acquisition potential. It's my first stop when I see a major movement in the price of one of my stocks to try and understand why and what's just happened. Their main site is their US site, but they spread out across other countries as well. They've opened offices in Singapore, Hong Kong, and Australia, I believe. I was a regular reader of the Hong Kong website, which contained articles about companies based in Hong Kong. But unfortunately, they decided to close down the Hong Kong office, which is disappointing to hear. It is. You and I went to their launch event for the Hong Kong office, and we managed to have a beer with Tom Gardner, really smart guy. You can see why he and his brother, David, are one of the leading voices in this space. Yeah, definitely. So what other websites do you use, Albert? I mentioned it earlier, but I use a website called Collaborative Fund mainly because it contains a blog written by Morgan Housel. I find his articles very easy to read and very insightful in the terms of how people think about money. A great website that you and I have been leaning on heavily in the last few months is Software Stack Investing. The author there has a really deep understanding of technology and he's really focused hard on software as a service companies. For that particular tech subset of my portfolio, this resource is invaluable. He gives a really good breakdown of quarterly reports for the companies he follows, and he really understands how they're positioning themselves into organizational needs. Ever since you recommended this website to me, Luke, I've been trying to read all his content. He only started earlier this year, but the content is so deep and detailed that there's just a lot to learn from his writing. And it helps that that whole space is on a real boom at the moment behind the tailwind of the corona economy. He's been tracking the right type of idea at the right time. He only gives detailed coverage of about eight stocks, but he also discusses the industries around that and their competitors in quite a lot of detail. Another website I've been using for the past year or so is called The Morning Brew. They provide a daily email newsletter that gives a summary of the handful of business stories of the day. It's just a quick read, maybe 15, 20 minutes, and it gives you a brief overview of what's going on in the world. That's cool. I've not checked that one out. I'll take a look. Two resources I've started using fairly recently are Hypercharts and StockRow. These two services give you a really cool way of understanding a company's quarterly reports in a much more intuitive manner. I would say Hypercharts is a great place to start. Quite high level information, but some pretty pictures that really bring the numbers to life and help you understand at a glance how the companies you're invested in are doing. StockRow is really helpful for a much deeper dive. It's a lot more of a technical tool, helps you understand quarterly reports and annual reports, but also has a stock screener. It's quite a good source if you're looking for new investment ideas. Are these services free? 
you, Luke? Uh, they are. Good question. StockRow and Hypercharts both have a premium version, but actually I've found the free version to be perfectly adequate for my needs. The reason why I ask is because I use a similar website called Statista, which provides statistics on market data for multiple industries. Actually, it contains data for almost anything. They have a free account, but I find that to be quite limiting. And to get anything more than that requires a paid subscription. Are you tempted to subscribe? I am. They actually recently offered me an enhanced account, which gives access to some of that extra data, but without the cost. I need to spend more time on that and really assess it. Well, a free resource that I get a huge amount of value out of is just simply Twitter. I think the term for the, the finance chat on Twitter is FinTwit. If you find the right folk to follow, you can get pulled into really up-to-date, interesting discussions about investment opportunities. It's largely a callback to the Motley Fool, but I've got to say, the four finance guys I follow most closely on Twitter are Brian Stoffel, Brian Feroldi, Morgan Housel, and Jason Moser. They're all writers for The Fool, but they've always got an interesting perspective. And actually, many of those guys publish their own portfolio percentages on their Twitter feed regularly. It's a great place to get a broader perspective of what's going on. And no doubt you follow Elon Musk on Twitter, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for that reminder, Albert. I think I was almost going to forget about mentioning Elon in today's podcast. No, we wouldn't let you do that. Moving on to podcasts. One podcast that I found a couple of months ago is one called Snacks Daily. In this podcast, two guys, Nick and Jack, give a quick fire summary of three business news stories of that day. It's one of the best podcasts I discovered this year when you pointed me at it. They publish every day and I haven't missed an episode for months. It's my go-to podcast when I'm out running. I believe they started this podcast about eight years ago and they said they haven't missed one day in those eight years. Pretty impressive. They're affiliated with Robinhood Money. I'm not a huge fan of what Robinhood are doing, but I really do like this podcast. I think the podcast is aimed at the younger investor, the demographic of millennials. But I think the guys are entertaining enough for investors of all ages. Yeah, and they've got good insight. A bit of a counterpoint to that one, a podcast I listen to probably less regularly, but I do consume, is one called Money with Felix Salmon. Felix has a couple of regular guests on. It's kind of like the grown-up version of Snacks Daily. It's more perhaps economics and big heavyweight serious topics. But it's quite fun and it's interesting. And Felix also has a good perspective on what's happening in the markets and why. I think I listened to this podcast for a couple of months, but I don't listen anymore. I just found it to be too dry. Yeah, perhaps a little. Another podcast that we both listen to, Luke, is called Planet Money. Each episode focuses on one story and really goes deep into the, uh, the people involved in those stories. Uh, one of my favorite episodes was how a contestant called James Holtzhauer beat the TV quiz game Jeopardy using a mix of probability and game theory. In the end, he won 22 games in a row and $1.5 million. Yeah, it's a good podcast. I, I like their more interview style. They'll get hold of a topic and get live interviews with a lot of the people who are involved. It really feels like it brings the story to life. Maybe the last one I'll add is a fairly recent podcast I've started listening to, and it's called All In with Chamath, Jason, Sachs, and Friedberg. Is this a poker podcast, Luke? Interesting question. These guys are all poker players, and a couple of them are relatively well-known in the poker community, but it's not a poker podcast. You've got a mix of poker players, billionaires, and interesting commentators with wildly different political affiliations. It's a good around-a-beer chat between some smart guys that have got an interesting perspective, and I definitely don't agree with everything that they have to say, but it does open my mind a little bit to what's happening, particularly in the world in US politics at the moment. 
So in today's episode, we discussed a couple of books, a couple of podcasts, and a couple of websites that we use to research our investments and to help us invest better. If you looked at either of our portfolios, Albert, you might draw the conclusion that we're lazy and we don't do anything. We rarely trade, but we do a hell of a lot of research and reading. By keeping up with business news, we find opportunities interesting companies that we will put on our watch list and track their performance over time to see if they are good investments. It's good to keep a close eye on what's happening in the world and what's happening in the world of our companies, even though our tendency to inaction means we'll rarely react to a market event, but it's more about planning our response and having a financial plan. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Telescope Investing podcast, you can find more content at our website, telescopeinvesting.com, where you can leave us a comment or a review. And if this is your first time tuning in, perhaps consider subscribing to the website so you're the first to hear about new articles and episodes as they drop. Thanks, Albert. Thanks, Luke. This podcast is for general information and is not a recommendation to act. Please seek independent investment advice before entering into any financial transaction. Entering into a transaction that involves securities or derivatives puts your capital at risk. Luke and Albert are not regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority or the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, and the companies mentioned in this podcast may be held personally by us. We can't be held responsible or liable for any action taken by a listener. And as ever, past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. Thanks and happy investing.